But let's do our theme verse as Colossians 3, 15. And let's read that together. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called into one body and be thankful. Let's read our verse that we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4, uh, 36 through 41. And we're reading in the Amplified Translation because we all know that that is the Bible that Jesus reads. Don't listen to what Brian says. And it says, And leaving the throng, they took him with him, just as he was, this being Jesus, into the boat in which he was sitting. And the other little boats were with him. And a furious storm of wind, of hurricane proportions arose, and the waves kept beating onto the boat so that it was already becoming filled. But he himself was in the stern of the boat, asleep on a leather cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush now, be still, muzzled. And the wind ceased, sank to rest as if exhausted by the beating. And there was immediately a great calm of perfect peacefulness. And he said to them, why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith, no firm relying trust? And they were filled with great awe and feared exceedingly and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Can we pray together real quick before we start? God, I just thank you for this God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I just thank you that every ear be open and receptive, that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. You know, um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Brian and I have two children. Uh, They are 13 months apart. Uh, People say, do you plan that? I don't think anybody in their right mind plans that. Um, It was a momentary lapse of judgment, and that's all I can tell you. Um, It was a, we can't get pregnant. There's no way. And then nine months later, there was Bear. And so my kids, for those of you that don't know, they couldn't be complete opposite any more than what they are. I have my daughter, who's the very dramatic, expressive one. I don't know where she gets that she has two preachers for parents. <laughs> and uh, when she tells a story, it's very animated. And uh, whatever number she tells you in the story, you have to scale it way down to what it actually is, is reality. And then you have my son who's laid back. Bear is really chill. In fact, people come up to me all the time and they say, we know Braley really well, but I've never even talked to Bear. And to which I just say that, yeah, because that's just the way he is. He's just very quiet. In fact, Bear loves to his idea of a great week would be to stay at home and not have to go anywhere. Um, Bear doesn't really believe in bathing. He's disgusting. He'll wear the same underwear for a week at a time, and and he doesn't see anything wrong with it at all. And I'll say, Bear, have you showered? No, I did that last week. No, son, you need to shower all the time. It's important to shower all the time. And and the other day, I got onto him for losing his socks, and I told him, I said, Bear, I'm so proud of you. You've been wearing socks all week. That's so good. He said, yeah, Mom. I just figured it out. If I just keep the same pair on my feet all week, I won't lose them. I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. So my son had been going to bed in the same socks. How I did not notice, I do not know. <laughs> but I didn't. I, I, mom failed. But, and then you have Braley, who's very clean, very particular. 
We're still working on deodorant, but we'll get there. And uh, so they're completely opposite. And so this was a few years ago, and I was running around errands and trying to get things together. We had Wednesday night church whenever we went to Brian's dad's church. And people ask us all the time, when will you guys have a Wednesday night church? Will you have Wednesday night church when you get into your new building? And I said, no, I hate Wednesday night church. We will never have Wednesday night church. Maybe first Wednesdays, but not on a weekly basis basis. Unless God speaks to us, Jesus, don't tell us to have Wednesday night church. Anyways, I hated Wednesday night church. And so we were getting ready for Wednesday night church and I was running errands and my kids were in the car and it was the middle of summer. So in Texas, we all know it's hotter than hell outside. You don't even look at the temperature anymore. You just know I sweat the moment that the door opens to go out to my car. And and so I had the car loaded down with everything and had put the kids in the car and, and Braley was seven and Bear was probably about six and we had the car all loaded down with everything, and I stick my key in the ignition. I go to turn the car, and it doesn't crank. So the windows are rolled up. We're all inside. We're starting to sweat at this point, and I think, okay, it's fine. I just turned the key wrong, you know? Have you ever thought that? I just, I just did it wrong. So we're just going to go through the whole thing again, take the key out, put it back in, and I turn it. It doesn't start. Getting a little bit panicked at this point because I know everybody's getting ready for church that would normally come help me. I knew I am at this point completely on my own with two children in Paris, Texas when I need to be in Sulphur Springs. And so I'm like, it's fine. It'll be just fine. And so I do what every good spirit-filled mom does. I lay hands on the dash and I command the car in Jesus' name to start. I put the key back in and it doesn't start. So then the kids are like starting, Braley's starting to cry at this point. She's starting to get very scared. And I said, it's okay. The reason why the car didn't start is because we didn't all pray corporately as a family. So we all need to pray in faith and and believe God because there's power in agreement, kids. God's about to do a miracle and our car is going to start. It's going to be so awesome. So my kids are like, yeah, mom, we'll just pray. So we pray. And I stick the key in the ignition and I turn it and guess what? It doesn't start. So Braley now is in hysteria. She is crying, bears chill in the car. He's just swinging his feet. He's totally fine. And Braley, uh, all of a sudden I hear from the back this shrill. And she goes, we're all going to die. And Bear looks over at her and he goes, bub, we are not going to die. It's just hot. And I thought it was so funny because how three people can be going through the same situation but everybody has a different reaction. And, and Braley, in that moment, at my dramatic child, she thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be the end of our life. And Bear is the level-headed one. Everything is going to be just fine. You know, I think it's amazing when storms arise in our lives, how what's really in us comes out of us. And when you put pressure on something, I can see if there's fear there or faith in, in how you react. And And I will just say that this message today is not only about the physical storms that we see, but there's also spiritual storms that we go through in our life. There's financial storms, there's marriage storms, there's health storms, there's all kinds of storms that happen in our lives. And it's our behavior in those storms that determine our outcome. And uh, so we're going to talk about three different behaviors uh, Christians have when storms come. Three different behaviors. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. The first behavior that we have is we begin to get disoriented. We begin to get disoriented. 
You know, you start out on your journey and you're excited about all that God has for you. Everything's good. And, you know, here Jesus is. He just got done doing crazy miracles. And Jesus tells his disciples, hey, guys, we're going to go to the other side. Don't you know the disciples are like, you know, if they've had Michael Jackson back then, they were probably playing, you're bad, you're bad, you know it. I mean, like, they're like, I mean, Jesus is like at the prime. He's at the top of his ministry. He's doing crazy stuff. And here they are. Jesus goes, hey, guys, we're going to go to the other side. So they get on the boat. You know they were excited. And all of a sudden, halfway between here and there, a storm hits. And see, what happens a lot of times is a storm will come in your life to get you to question the will of God. And if you're not careful, you start consulting the storm and thinking that the storm is the will of God. And you start embracing it and thinking, well, the storm came, so we're just not going to get to the other side. See, Jesus made known his will when he told them, we're going to the other side. And he didn't say it's going to be easy to get to the other side. He didn't even say it was going to be problem free. But I think a lot of times in our life, we think that God's promises come, and it's just going to be an absolute. It's going to be no problems, no worries, no troubles between here and there. But let me just encourage you, church family, that usually whenever God gives you a promise, all hell will break loose. And it seems like every force of darkness is fighting you. Why do you think more couples get in arguments on Sunday mornings than any other time? Because the enemy knows where you're going. And, and whenever you start to have an attack on your life, whenever it's a financial attack, a, a depression, or all kinds of different things, attack against your children, attack against your health, just know this, that the devil never attacks where there is no spoil. Have you ever seen somebody rob a homeless man? Why? Because he doesn't have anything. If you're going to rob somebody, you're going to look for the guy driving the nicest car with the nicest stuff. Can I get an amen? I mean, nobody, I'm not calling you a thief, but what I'm saying is even a person with just the slightest bit of logic would know you would go after the rich person. And whenever you're under attack in your life, the enemy sees you as a powerhouse. He sees the potential on your life more than you do. And he knows that if he can send a storm into your life to stop you, then you won't get to where God's called you. And see, here the disciples are. And let me just tell you that wrong theology is always birthed when we start looking at the storms of life, seeing if that's God's will. That's why when storms happen, people say, well, it was an act of God. No, it's not. Jesus told us his will in John 10, 10. It says the thief comes, the thief who is the enemy comes only to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life. Have what? Life and life more abundantly. Last time I checked, the people in Rowlett would not tell you that they're living the abundant life right now. The enemy came to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. See, a lot of times we consult the storm to see what God's will is. God's will is always found in his word. And his word tells us that every good and perfect gift is from the Lord. So if it's not good and perfect, it's not from God. But here the disciples are, they're freaking out. They forgot the original vision for their life. If you are going through a storm in your finances, you need to write down a word from God in the Bible about provision and put it where you can see it and keep that vision to get you to the other side. If you're going through a struggle in your family, if you're going through a struggle in any area, every problem that you face, there's a scripture for you to attach to it to keep the vision clear to get you to the other side. Can I get an amen? 
in Isaiah 46.10, it says that Jesus, that God declares the end from the beginning. He declares the end from the beginning. Why does he declare the end from the beginning? Because he knows in your middle, you're going to go through some hard things. You're going to go through some hard times. And he wants to make sure that when he declares the end, that you're going to hold on to that promise when all hell breaks loose. The next thing that happens is we become isolated. The next behavior that happens is we become isolated. And this is when the storm becomes louder than anything else in our life. Most of the time when people are going in through storms, this is what will happen. The enemy will begin to make you feel like you are the only one that's going through this. I, I one time I was with some ladies, which well-meaning Christians say stupid things. And um, this person that I know was going through really awful marriage problem. And this one Christian lady said, well, yeah, I'm sure she's going through this because there's some sin in her life that's caused it. And that's, that's an isolated behavior approach. And a lot of times in your life, you think that something happened to you because of a sin that you committed. And let me just tell you that it's never something that you did. God's grace is bigger than any mistake you could ever make. Can I get an amen? But a lot of times when we're going through it, we think that, well, I just did it, so I have to embrace this storm. I'm going to have to get through it. It's fine. I'll just pull myself together and just try to get through it. You know, I want to encourage you that in this room, there's three types of people. Every person in here can be boiled down to three types of people. The first group of people is people who are in the storm. You're in it right now. You're fighting for your life for every inch, for every day. You are fighting at every step. The waves are beating. You're like the disciples right now. You're scared. You don't know what to do. You know God promised you more, but you're just in the storm right now. Number two, the second group of people that are in this room are people that just came out of a storm. So you came through it. 2015 was a hard year for you, but man, God's seen you through. You're on the other side. You're, you're doing good. You're doing better now. You just came out of the storm. And the third group of people is people who are about to go in a storm. And you're going to constantly be in that cycle your entire life. That's why I love small groups. And that's why this 21 days of prayer and fasting is so important that you come. If you commit as, as a married couple or as a person that, hey, every Monday, I can't do every day, but one day a week, I'm going to show up at that clubhouse and I'm going to pray with other people. You know why? Because what you're going to find out is that other people have been through the same storm that you're going through and they made it through the other side. And their story is going to encourage your story to keep fighting through. The worst thing you can do is to begin to isolate yourself when you go through a storm. The next thing that happens is you begin to get frustrated. When you're going through a storm and it seems like everything's going wrong in your life, everything is falling apart, you begin to get frustrated. I, I just challenge you, what do you do when you're, you're frustrated with God? When, when you thought things were going to go differently than what they had. And here they are, they are frustrated. They go down to Jesus. Do you not even care that we're perishing? I love the detail in Mark chapter 4. Because he even had down, it was a leather cushion Jesus was sleeping on. In other words, years later, Mark's still thinking about it. And he's like, yep. And he was down there asleep. And he was on a leather cushion. I mean, he had it down. Love keeps no record of wrongs, but people sure do, right? I'll just, I'll break this down for wives. Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever been the mom that's in there, you're cooking dinner, 
You're signing field trip release forms. You're helping the kids with homework. And you're doing all this. You're pouring sweat. You're trying to load up dishes. And you're scraping off the cereal that was still left from this morning's breakfast that sat there all day. And you just came in from a hard day at work. And everything's crazy. And you're dropping stuff on the floor and having to clean it up. And you look into the living room. And your husband's just reclined on the recliner. Not a care in the world. How, how many of you know at that moment you feel what? Frustrated, right? But the truth is he's sitting there because you hadn't asked him for any help. And you're doing stuff that he never asked you to do in the first place. He offered to take you out to eat. And you said, no, I'll cook. I'll do it all myself. See, I've learned in my life when I get frustrated, it's usually because I'm doing things God never asked me to do in the first place. See, and, and I love this because Jesus told them to go to the other side. He didn't say, save yourself to get to the other side. He didn't say, hey, you're going to have to do it on your own. He said, I'm going with you to the other side. But a lot of times, let me just break it down like this. Isaiah 26, or I'm sorry, yes, Isaiah 26, verse 3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In other words, when I trust on God, I'm in perfect peace. I'm not worried, I'm not anxious, I'm not unsettled. Because a lot of times the storm comes to do three things. It wants to put in you fear, doubt, and unbelief. And let me just show you, I'll show you how to know if you're walking in God's peace or not. Have you ever had a problem come up and you think, I just need to figure out a way to get out of this. I just need to do something. I need to work harder, I need to do more. I need to fill in the blank with whatever it looks like for you when you're in the middle of a storm. For the disciples is, I need to bail more water. I need to bail faster. Or have you ever been in the middle of the storm and you say, I just need God to do something. I need God to come through. See, a self-reliant person is saying, I need to do something. And they're never at peace. But a God-reliant person says, God is going to do something. And I'm not worried about it. I'm not anxious because I know God's going to figure it out. I love what my pastor says. He always says, can you imagine the Jerusalem times? Savior of the world killed at sea. Can you imagine that? That sounds comical, doesn't it? But that's what the disciples thought was about to happen. They thought, man, this is the end of it all. I love the song that we just sang. You've never failed and you won't start now. God's never failed you. The Bible says that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. If Jesus is on your boat, your boat cannot go down. You can't be frustrated. Don't let yourself get frustrated. And when you do start feeling yourself being frustrated, it's because you become self-reliant. And in those moments, you've got to stop, put down your pail, stop bailing water, and say, God, I trust you that you're going to get me to the other side. I trust in your provision, I trust in your word, and I'm not going to let myself be my own savior because you cannot save yourself. As smart as you are and as much as you work and as much as you think you've got it all together, you do not have what it takes to save yourself. But Jesus, in one word, can turn everything around. He can save you. So let's look at Jesus, our captain. Let's see what he did. The first thing I want to point out here in Jesus is Jesus is the only one who has never been trained at sea on the boat. Think about that. It's almost comical, right? I mean, everybody else, he's with trained fishermen, guys that do this for a living, and he's the only one who is not even trained in this, but he is just chill. He's as calm as they come. A lot of times I think in our life, we think because I've never been through this problem before, 
that means I will not get through it. And let me just encourage you that Jesus can get you through anything that comes your way. It doesn't matter if you've never seen it. Well, it didn't work out for so-and-so. That doesn't mean it won't work out for you. Oh, I've never had this kind of problem before. It doesn't mean that God can't do a miracle right now. Well, I've never seen this kind of financial miracle happen. It doesn't mean that God can't do it for you. Don't let logic prophesy your end and let, be, let God's word tell you how it's going to end. Don't worry about it if you've never been there before. The next thing is, is Jesus woke up and started talking. I want you just to picture this. You, he, here they are, the disciples, they're bailing water. You know they are. They're bailing water. They woke up Jesus not to calm the storm. They woke him up to hand him a pail. Let's just get real and start bailing with us, Jesus. Most of the time, can I just put it this way? When we pray, we don't really pray for a solution. We just want God to just keep bailing water with us. Come on, let's just get real honest here. We, we don't really pray for God to stop the thing. We're just praying to just help us kind of get through. But Jesus got up and what did he do? He started changing the vocabulary that was spoken. Up until that point, you can hear the fear in the disciples' mouth. Do you not care that we're perishing? In other words, they were up there talking fear and disbelief and, and this isn't going to work out and there's just no way. I'll just tell you, I can tell if you are going to get through your storm or stop in your storm by the words you're speaking. Your Facebook posts are prophesying death and destruction. Moms, when you speak over your kids, you're a failure. My kids are rebellious. Oh, it's just terrible twos. No, we had terrific twos at my house. I'm not going to confess those awful things. Well, he's just a hellion. And you're wondering why they're rebellion. You wonder why the school's having problems with them. It's because of what you're speaking Oh, come on, somebody. See, you can either wait for things to change or you can start changing things. And Jesus decided, I'm going to get up and start speaking because his words change atmospheres. Your words can change everything. Moms, if you begin to prophesy over your kids, you're the head and not the tail. You're above only and not beneath. You are the smartest kid in your classroom. You are the leader to your generation. You know what will begin to happen? They'll begin to change their behavior. Oh, so you're into that name it and claim it. I sure am. Because the Bible says that death and what? Life are in the power of your what? tongue. So here's the thing is you believe more of what you say than what anybody else says. And you need to begin to speak. And sometimes the wind and the waves and everything's going to be going crazy around you. And you need to stand up and say, my family will lend and not borrow. That we have more than enough. That we give to many nations. That, Lord, you've called us to be above only and never beneath. Lord, I thank you for financial provision coming into this household. And it's going to look foolish. But you need to declare it anyway. My son was um, seven months old and people kept telling me, I think something's wrong with your son. And I just kept telling them that they didn't know what they were talking about, that there was nothing wrong with my kid. And at seven months old, I started to notice that Bear wasn't the same as other kids. Um, Other kids at seven months old were sitting up. They were crawling. They were doing stuff. And Bear at seven months old could still not lift his ear off of his shoulder. Um, It looked like he was just plastered together all the time. It didn't matter how you moved him. He couldn't pick up his head. And so finally, I I was asking the doctor, and she said, Crystal, basically what's happened with Bear is he has improper muscle formation on the one side of his back. And she said, Crystal, I'm sorry to tell you this. Your son will never walk. He'll never run. And even if he does, 
he'll, he'll be completely contorted all the days of his life. He will never, your son will never be a normal child, ever. And guys, I could have gone home and said, well, the doctor said it. I mean, it's the truth. The doctor said, I mean, we've got proof right here. Here's the test that we're done. Here's, here's the stuff. No, you know what we did? We went home and greased that kid up like a pig. He had so much anointing oil on him. We'd slather him down, up, down. He was so greasy, grease stains all over his crib sheets. I mean, we slathered him down, and we begin to declare over him, Lord, by, his, by your stripes he is healed, that no weapon formed against him shall prosper. He is going to run. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be great. You know, within two weeks, Bear lifted his head for the first time off of his shoulder. In a month, he began to sat up, sit up. In six weeks, he was crawling. And now I cannot sit through a single game and sit up in the stands and watch my baby boy run all over a baseball field and think the doctor said. But see, here's the truth, is if I would have believed the report of the doctor, he wouldn't be out there. See, I know a greater physician. I know a greater one. And the Bible says while he was still in my womb that he formed him, he knit him together bit by bit. Every declaration in the natural is a possibility for you to begin to stand up in the spiritual, stand on the bow of that ship and say, peace, be still. My son will not be like that. I just want to challenge you. So what people told you you're going to be like that? So what people told you that your kid has this learning disability? You can begin to rebuke that thing and believe God that he's going to be healed. You know, we've been in services where deaf ears open. We were in a service one time, a girl comes forward during a 21 days of prayer and fasting. She had anemia. Her whole family were atheists. She comes down in a worship service, gets prayer. God supernaturally touches her body. She knew she was healed in that moment. She goes home and tells her parents, who are atheists, I want you to take me to the doctor. I know God healed me in that service. They take her to the doctor. They realize that she had been completely healed. It's like, they said, it's like she's got brand new blood coursing through her veins. And then in that moment, her parents came to know Christ. Whole family was saved. Come on, somebody. He's a healer. But your words mean everything. What are you speaking over your finances? Maybe you're still broke because you're saying it all the time. You're not giving God's word a chance to begin to reverse things. Uh, Let's look at the definition for peace. It says this, it's safety, it's wellness, it's health, it's favor, it's prosperity. It's nothing missing, nothing broken, happy. And I love this, every kind of good thing. You know what the word, you know what the will of God for your life is? It's this. And anything that's contrary to this is an enemy's attack on you. Don't embrace anything that doesn't match up with this. If it's not full of favor, safety, wellness, any kind of good thing, then it's not God's will for your life. And you need to speak peace over that. Peace. What are you anxious about? What are you fearful about? What's got you in angst? What's got you so worried? Let's begin to speak God's word and begin to see things change. Last night, my mom was freaking out with the storm and she kept texting me and asking me if I had taken cover yet. I said, no, mom, we're trying to watch a movie. So I'm sitting in the recliner, I'm trying to watch a movie. She said, you need to take cover. And I said, I don't need to take cover. And right then my phone goes off to take cover. It's the tornado. And I hit dismiss because I was looking for the tornado emoji to send my mom. And she's like, Crystal Sparks. I said, it will not hit my house. I'm a carrier of peace. 
It cannot hit my house. She said, can you please turn on the news? I said, sure, I'll turn on the news, but it cannot hit this house. It will not touch Roy City. It will not happen. I'm sitting there watching on the news and they said, it's literally like it's breaking up before it comes to Roy City is what the news reporter said. It's like it's breaking up before it hits Roy City. And that's the word of the Lord. Why? Because I'm a carrier of peace. And if it's not full of safety, favor, wellness, good things, it's not going to touch this house. It can't come here. See, I want you to see Matt McWhorter. He, he told us he's a Rowlett firefighter, and I'm closing, which means nothing. And he's a Rowlett firefighter, and he got called in yesterday. And he said the, the destruction was just incredible. He said it's, your mind can't even get around how bad it is. And he said we showed up to this one lady's house. He said, I didn't expect to find somebody living in that house. And he said we found this old woman in the size of a door frame. She was sitting doing her crafts. She was sewing when the tornado hit. And the whole house crumpled down all around her. But she was perfectly safe in the only thing that was left standing. Now, I don't know about you, but I can just see God's hand of protection upon her saying, nope, not right here. You can fall down all around her, but you can't touch her. That's the kind of protection that's on your life. And if you begin to realize that God's peace the nothing missing, nothing broken kind of pieces on your life, no storm will intimidate you. In fact, you'll walk out in the storm and declare, peace, be still.